What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 109 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, this year we have been on a learning mission, haven't we? Boy, that last episode with Katie Cole was so full of nuggets, just good, challenging stuff to make us better leaders. But you know, there are those times where we need to be inspired, to hear somebody's story of overcoming, to hear somebody's story of resilience, and to know that no matter what we face, we can make a difference. Today is one of those days. Last spring, I was introduced to this young lady through a mutual friend named Rusty Strapp, the former head coach at Gardner-Webb University, as he told this young lady's story and her father's story on his podcast. I reached out to Audrey and we scheduled a time to get together. And I'm telling you, you're in for a treat. Audrey LeClaire is currently a medical student, but she's so much more than that. She's a young lady who was molded and shaped by the memories of her father, Keith LeClaire. Keith LeClaire was a legendary college baseball coach, coaching at Western Carolina and Eastern Carolina University, collecting 441 wins during his time. But Coach LeClaire spent his final years battling Lou Gehrig's disease. Audrey, in this episode, opens up about her memories, opens up about her father and the incredible mom that she was blessed with. And she tells her story to inspire you in your story. Her goal is to strike out ALS, and you're going to want to give. You're going to want to give to help make that happen. I don't know where you're at today. Many of you are coaches. This one's for you. You are going to love this episode. Boy, if it speaks to you like I think it will, hit pause, share it, put it on social media, give it to a friend, because I think Audrey LeClaire's story is one that we all need to hear. So today, I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in as Audrey LeClaire shares with us about how to never give up in this relentless pursuit to make a difference. Audrey, take it away. Well, Audrey, it is such an honor to have you on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I think you're now the youngest guest ever on Lynch oh, with man. a Leader. So that's a, <laughs> what an honor. It's like a crown I need to, to yes. send you. Tell everybody a little bit about you, who you are, what you're doing, and, and where you're at in life right now. So my name is Audrey. I am from a small town outside of Clemson, South Carolina called Sunset. Um, I grew up in Greenville, North Carolina. 
been to college, Western Carolina University, and I'm actually currently in medical school at Lincoln Memorial University in Knoxville, Tennessee. Awesome. Where did your passion for getting in the medical field come from? Is that something you wanted to do even back to being a little girl or is that a new deal? It is a new deal. I actually used to want to be a veterinarian. So I was five years old running around and I was like, I'm going to go to the University of Georgia and I'm going to go to vet school. And my parents are like, where's this coming from? Like, how do you even know what Georgia is? Um, Because we lived in Greenville and East Carolina was there. Um, but through a lot of different experiences and, um, paths, I was like, you know, the medical field is more suited for me, Mm. um, actually kind of explored different avenues like speech therapy. Um, and then I just really kind of clicked and fell in love with medicine and knew that medical school was the route that I wanted to go. That is so where do you ultimately want to end up? Where do you see it going? Uh, ideally right now, and I've got a lot of years left, so it could change, but, um, pediatric emergency medicine is kind of where I'm at right now. Um, love the emergency room, love the different things you get to see. And I truly do just enjoy the pediatric side. So right now that's where I see myself. That's awesome. Well, we're excited for you. Congratulations on the first step, right? Medical school. And I know, I know all the other stuff. It'll fall into place. It'll fall into place. So tell me about your childhood. You grew up in this small town where, where you've been. Tell me a little bit about childhood and your parents. Give me a little of your background. So I was born in Cullowee, North Carolina. Um, extremely small town in Western North Carolina. Uh, My dad was coaching baseball at Western Carolina. At the time, um, he got a coaching job and we moved to East Carolina University in Greenville, spent 10 years of my life there. Um, And mom, incredible. Dad, um, at the age of, I'm trying to think how old I was. I was six. He was diagnosed with ALS. So growing up um, was a little bit different for me, Um, had to become independent quite quickly. And um, after he passed away in 2006, we actually moved to South Carolina to be closer to my mom's family. Describe your dad for me. How how would you describe your dad? Um, Oh, goodness. Let's see if I can pick some words. Goofy, (laughs) Um, determined, resilient. And a man of faith. Mm. That's good. How would you describe your mom? Strong, Mm. (laughs) positive. Um, I don't even know if I could come up with a better word than strong. She is truly one of the strongest people I've ever met in my entire life. What, What did she teach you most, Audrey, through what you guys walk through? What did you learn from her the most? I think number one, and this just stands out for me, is she truly lived out her wedding vows of for mm. better, for worse. Um, and just her unending love and compassion that she had for my dad um, is one thing that I have definitely, especially as I've gotten older, and mm-hmm. I feel like I can appreciate more um, those characteristics that she had. Mm. Your dad left quite a legacy. I mean, there, he um, he made a massive mark on this world. How would you think? How do you think his former players 
when you've talked to them, and I know you've gotten lots of notes from them. We're going to get into all that here shortly. How, how do they describe your dad? What was it like to play for him as a coach? Tough. Uh, he, he was, he was a tough guy. Um, he expected a lot. Um, but I also think that they would describe him as a great communicator. Um, he kind of knew the small details about each person and kind of what made them click. And he didn't just throw a broad blanket over all of them and kind of expect one thing to work for all of them. Um, so I also think he had a lot of attention to details and, um, you know, really, really expected a lot and demanded their best. What was the hardest part about that process for you? You're six, seven years old, watching your dad, this hero of yours who's strong and tough, be hit with a a disease that brings the toughest and strongest to their knees. What was it like as a little girl to walk through that? It was hard. Um, at the time though, being so young, it just kind of quickly became a new normal for Hmm. us. Um, so I have a few memories of my dad before he got sick. Um, but the majority of mine are after, um, now for my brother, his are mainly after he got sick. Um, so my brother's three years younger than me. So his time frame was a little bit different than mine, but it was really hard. Um, our daily schedules were different than even a lot of my friends. Um, daily routines were definitely different. And I kind of had to grow up quick and really become independent and learn to take on um, daily tasks by myself. And I know you faith means a lot to your family. And a lot of your readings, we got connected through a mutual friend, Coach Strap. Yes. And um you know, just reading a lot of what you've written on Twitter and some things you posted. Um, Faith's a big deal to you guys. Tell me a little bit about the story of faith in your family. Um, I don't think that we could have gone through what we did without faith. Um, That was the one constant thing in our lives. That was the one thing that did not change. Um, It was the one thing that was always there and unwavering and provided a sense of stability. Um, for our family. I know that um, shortly after my dad got sick, my mom had ended up posting different Bible verses around the house. And that was kind of their way to remain positive. So whether it was on the stairway, by the bathroom mirror, um, above their bed, I mean, just different, different areas around the house. Um, She posted Bible verses that um, kind of really reaffirmed the faith and also kind of just gave a sense of purpose, um, to even his sickness and, um, really kept our family strong. How did, how did that affect you? So you're a little girl growing up seeing a dad, this becomes a new normal. And I think it's a great way to say that Audrey, a new normal you're walking around, you're seeing Bible verses around. How did that affect you? How did that you know, it's one thing for your mom to go, we're going to, we're going to believe it. We're going to live it, but you're watching them do it. How did that affect you in the story? Um, for me, I was actually, after dad passed away, I was so angry. I had gotten saved, um, or baptized. I should say baptized, um, while he was still living. And so for me, it was just kind of a natural 
step to take. And then after he died, I was so angry. I was so angry at God. And I'm like, you know, growing up in Sunday school, they teach us that God is so good and God doesn't let bad things happen. And this is, you know, now I've lost my, truly my best friend, um, my hero. And I harbored a lot of anger towards God. Um, I would say until I was 17 and then I truly was saved at 17. Um, still went to church, still stayed in church, but it was just kind of this, um, unmotivated faith because I harbored a ton of anger and didn't really understand how God could allow that to happen to me and my family. Um, but big picture looking back, you know, all things really do work for his good, even when we can't see it. Mm. What's some of the good now that you've lived it out in the story? Cause you're how old now? I am 25. 25, the ripe old age of 20. You're right in between yes. my, my kids are 26 and 23. So you're right in between them. Um, as you look back on the story now, what are some of the good things that you see that God has been weaving behind the scenes and sewing together behind the scenes? What are some good that's come out of this whole story for you? Um, for one, I know personally, it's taught me perseverance. Um, it's taught me that you can depend on worldly things, um, but faith is truly the only thing that is going to matter. Um, for me, it's been incredible to see how many people's lives he touched. Mm. And yes, he coached baseball, but I don't know that his testimony would have reached as many people had it not been for um, his his diagnosis of ALS. And even for me, um, as I was sitting down to write my personal statement for medical school, I kept going back to that experience and how that kind of molded me into the person that I am and um, kind of created this ambition for me. And I wanted to go help people um, and just really be a light in their lives, kind of like he was in a little different aspect, but definitely. Yeah, I wondered, and I wondered about that too, Audrey, that if that had was part of your story going into the medical field because you saw, you saw what you walked through as a family. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird thing in it that you, you look at the tapestry of God and you just can't, you can't unwind. You look at the girl that you are now, the passion that you have to serve the Lord and you wonder, okay, if that doesn't happen, do I, do I have that? Do you ever sit and think about that sometimes? I do. I mean, even, (laughs) even days that are bad days and I mess up and I'm like, or things are just tough and I'm overwhelmed. And I just look back and I'm like, man, if God can carry me through that, (laughs) he can carry me through this. And that's been a reoccurring thing that I've noticed is especially even starting med school. There was one day I was completely overwhelmed and I'm like, I don't belong here. (laughs) Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I just sat there and I was sitting outside on my patio and it was just this sense of peace. And, you know, God's like, I've got you. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. You you carried me through so much already that you do, you have me in your hands. I love that. I love that. You know, as you, as you look now, I, I got connected with you last spring during May when it was ALS awareness month and you began to post about your dad and somebody retweeted you. And I don't remember who it was. It was coach strap or whoever, um, retweeted you. And I began to follow your journey through the month of May. What was your passion on putting all that together to honor your dad and bring awareness to ALS? Tell, tell me a little of the story of what got you 
revved up to spend that time to do it? Because I know it took a lot of time. We had a family friend who also lost their husband to ALS kind of post the challenge. And I was talking to mom a little bit about it. And she said, you know, I'll help you if you want to, if you want to pursue this, I'll definitely help because there's a lot of missing gaps that I didn't necessarily put together. And my biggest thing is to bring awareness and because of the ice bucket challenge, ALS is definitely a common, a common name. Now more people recognize it. I just don't think that people recognize the, um, the depth of it, Mm. um, the toll it can take on families and even caregivers of patients with ALS and the kind of the whole purpose, um, of the challenge for our family was really to just take that awareness step a tad bit further and really, um, be vulnerable and, um, kind of show the good, the bad and the ugly of the disease. And Mm. the challenge kind of let us do that. And, um, it was tough. Like there were times that, you know, we were sitting there and we're like, how do we say this? How do we write this? Like, should we write this? Is this Mm. too much? And, um, when it comes down to it, it's, it it was all a part of it. And for me, even if I can bring one person awareness of ALS and, um, you know, create a sense of, Hey, like we, we got to find a cure for this thing. Um, then I will feel like my, my purpose and challenge for, um, ALS awareness was kind of complete. And you, you made an interesting statement in that, Audrey, you said, uh, there were some missing gaps for me. What were some of the things you found out going through this that you didn't know as a six and seven year old little girl that were almost overwhelming to process, even as a 24, 25 year old? What were, what were some of those missing gaps? I think the biggest were the life altering decisions that my mom had to single handedly make. Mm. Um, so early on, after my dad's diagnosis, he actually collapsed in the bathroom on my mom. Um, cause he was like, I wasn't feeling very well. And so she was like, do, you know, do I need to call somebody? And he actually collapsed on her, um, was rushed to the emergency room. All I remember of that part, I was actually home. My brother was with mm-hmm. our grandparents. Um, but I was told to sit on the steps and let the paramedics in and, you know, six, seven years old, that's scary. Um, strangers telling them, Hey, you know, my parents are back here. Um, But when they got to the hospital, I had no idea that my mom had to make the decision um, to vent or to not vent. And Mm. that was a life or death decision for him at the time of if we do not put him on a ventilator, he is going to die. Um, If we put him on a ventilator, it will prolong his life. um, But we don't know for how long. And at the time, like he wasn't able to contribute much to the decision just with all the medications and things. so that was definitely one that, you know, I didn't understand the, the, I guess the depth of that also of just how split second decisions she had to make. You talked about the toll it takes on caregivers and we've walked, we've walked through ALS with a lot of our folks at North Star, sadly. And um, what's the toll that you've, as you and your mom have shared now, as adults, you know, I think she's probably moved from being, she'll always be your parent, but she's probably your best friend now in the world because of what you've been through in your twenties. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of being raised right. Now you can be friends. Um, 
what's something that you wished everybody knew so when they hear about ALS or they're giving to ALS, they knew about the toll it takes on caregivers? It's a lot. Um, daily routines are not the same, um, especially within care nursing. And just the exhaustion, the constant worrying. Um, I know that for my mom, it took her years to be able to sleep through the night just because she, over the five years that he battled ALS, had become so hypersensitive to vent alarms or him needing to be suctioned or worrying if he was okay and he had everything he needed. Um, it took her years to be able to sleep through the night again. And just the emotional exhaustion it takes. Um, I, what a lot of people don't realize is people with ALS are still mentally intact. They can still feel pain. They still have emotions. They can still process. They just can't communicate that um, very well past a certain point. So yes, their muscles are dying, um, but they are very much mentally intact and aware. Your dad was a legend in the game of baseball. In fact, the stadium at East Carolina is named after him, correct? Yes. And uh, man, that was one of my favorite parts about following you last spring was your love of college baseball, which I think we have a mutual love of the game <laughs> of baseball. And it's crazy, you know, as I was reading about your dad, and, and there's probably no no way to ultimately know, but I know we had to cross paths on a college field somewhere during my time at Liberty. Um, as you think about this, and there's a lot of coaches, Audrey, that listen to this podcast, collegiate, high school, um, and just in leaders in general, but what do you wish every coach, if you could have five-minute conversation with every coach to sit down and go, I want you to know what really matters. What would you tell them? Your faith in your family. Um, you know, even for our family, we love baseball. My dad loved baseball. He loved fitness. Um, he actually, his nickname at Western was Condo um, because they he was so jacked and stacked. Um, <laughs> but in the end, when baseball was taken away from him, all he had left were his faith, family, and friends. Mm. Um, so at the end of the day, I just think it's so important that um, you put time into those relationships as well um, and kind of harvest those relationships because one day baseball will end, um, whether it's as a player or a coach um, or even a fan. You know, it gets to a point where you really have to lean on your faith and your family. I pulled this from January 17, 2005. You you and your mom went through and shared a lot of your dad's writings. And I, I want to read this. And normally this is a little long, but it's powerful. And it ties into this. And I want to jump off of it. He said, what I learned and hope, hope to help you realize through this message is it is very easy for all of us to get caught up chasing the wrong prize. For me, it was the obsession of winning and achieving certain goals. I came across this verse in Philippians and it brought the message out to me. Just hear the words and repeat them several times. The verses are Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I wanted you to see the 13th verse because it leads us into the powerful words of verse 14. Paul, who wrote the letter, said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. As I look at that verse, I clearly see my life was never looking ahead, only behind. 
I was chasing after a prize that would never last, but only for a moment. Now let's read verse 14. I pressed towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God's word tells us there's only one prize that will be everlasting. All my trophies that I won will one day rust away and no longer have meaning anywhere, or meaning whatsoever. The dream house you worked so hard to get one day won't be standing. All the hours you work to accumulate millions one day won't matter. All the goals and prizes we strive for in our lifetime will absolutely have no significance in our lives unless we put the prize of Jesus Christ first. You know, when God told me my prize didn't matter, when I spoke these last words to my team, I should have just read Philippians 3 to them because truly that was what I was trying to say on that day. My priorities have changed dramatically over the last couple of years since my diagnosis of ALS. Many of you need to get your focus off your own prize and lock eyes on the greatest prize of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Keith LeClaire. When you hear those words, Audrey, what's it do to you? What's it make you feel? You know, proud. Mm. <laughs> I think um, just even um, watching how he, he really embraced his, um, his battle with ALS and didn't look at it as the worst thing to ever happen to him. In the beginning, he did, but just watching, um, reading back his devotionals and just seeing how he evolved in his faith and as a person and how um, he really used it to glorify Christ. And um, I definitely think it makes me proud as a daughter to read that and see that. And, um, you know, he could have very easily said, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Like, I have no purpose and I'm just an unhappy person. But he did the complete opposite. You were blessed and have been blessed with two amazing parents. Yes. Didn't know, don't know them, never met them personally, but I see, I see them in you. One day when your children are talking about their mom, and you you bring in this this blend of your mom and dad. How do you pray one day on down the road, your children, your friends, students you're in med school with, buddies from high school, buddies from college, people you're going to do life with? How do you pray they describe Audrey LeClaire? Um, just that I truly leaned into Christ and that um, I showed him and reflected him in all of my actions and um that when times got tough that I looked towards him and that that's where my true strength came from. Um, everything that I do, I truly want to be for the glory of Christ. Boy, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Audrey was such a blessing. You know, coach LeClaire went to be with the Lord a number of years ago now, but you can still see his influence in the life of his daughter. And I know I am sure it's in the hundreds of players that he poured into through the years as well. Thank you, Audrey, for sharing your story because we are all better for it. That is for sure. Our next episode is going to be another winner. I'm just telling you, we get to sit down with Daniel Ritchie. Daniel says his mission is living to encourage the church and make disciples to the glory of God alone. Sounds inspiring, doesn't it? And then you meet Daniel. And you hear his heart, you see his passion, and you see what he's overcome to be making the difference he's making today. Daniel was born without arms, 
but has found his mission, found his calling, and found his purpose. And you will be inspired by the story of Daniel Ritchie. It's going to be a fun one. I hope you've subscribed to this podcast. Go to Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, your favorite podcast app. Make sure and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're kind enough to leave a rating and review, that will be awesome as well. And always feel free to share it with your friends. Thanks again for joining today. And go be all that God created you to be and never, ever give up. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 